We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Before we get into our conversation for today's episode on Bruce Brown and Obi Toppin, um, Pachi and I recorded that late Wednesday night about like 12 o'clock in the evening and uh, into 12.30, So uh, Thursday, there was a lot of action for the Pacers and there was a lot of conversation going on. Who did what? Who said what? We're not going to get into all that again. But with that said, there was an interesting signing for the Pacers. They, uh, they have an open roster spot, obviously, by uh, waving Daniel Tice, buying him out. They're bringing back a familiar face, a guy that was on the roster last year, James Johnson. And, you know, I just thought it was hilarious timing considering what happened in Milwaukee last night. And Bob Kravitz said that when in doubt, sign a black belt. So the Pacers are bringing back a veteran leader and enforcer and a guy that knows this team and this locker room and this coaching staff very well. It will be a welcomed addition. But with that being said, I, I don't really think he's going to have any impact on the court in terms of his playing time. Now, we, we know that uh, this is his 15th year in the NBA. He's a little bit older, and we saw him last year. He could play some backup center, but he's just not a guy that's really going to provide a lot in terms of on-court talent, but he's not being brought in for that. He's being brought in to kind of be that enforcer because there is a rivalry starting to brew with Milwaukee and Indiana. There's no doubt about it. And you need someone like that on your team. That's not going to mess around. You know, he's kind of, he's going to have a similar role to what Udonis Haslam has had with the Pacers. Uh, you know, Haslam had that with the Heat. Johnson's going to have that with the Pacers. So I'm kind of glad that uh, the Pacers decided to address this now in December, instead of waiting too long. And we'll see what other moves they make potentially with the roster as the season, you know, continues on and the Pacers try to showcase how how good they are and what they really are. But uh, aside from that, there is some definitely sad news today as Pacer legend George McGinnis passed away. And we knew George was sick. I think Peter Vesey had, had reported some of that. You know, George won, was part of those three ABA championship teams under Slick Leonard. Um, was inducted into the Hall, Hall of Fame back in 2017. George McGinnis is a terrific basketball player, and he was way before my time. Never really got to see him play, but if you watch any of the highlights, you can see the impact that he had on the game. I've even heard some people say that he was kind of like the the, the modern version of a, a LeBron James back in the 70s. So, you know, he, he had his imprint on the game of basketball and was a, a Hoosier legend and stuff like that. So, there's been some quotes that have been put out here, but I want to start off with the quote from the Pacers president uh, of basketball operations, Kevin Pritchard. He said, we sadly lost a legend today. George McGinnis was incomparable, a beloved Pacers icon who embodied the spirit of Indiana basketball. Our thoughts and prayers are with his family and friends during this difficult time. 
The Pacers also uh, released a statement from the Simon family and sport, uh, Pacers Sports and Entertainment. They said from his all-state high school days to his time as an IU All-American and, of course, to his leg legendary ABA championship runs with the Pacers, George McGinnis shaped so many of the fondest basketball memories for generations of Hoosiers. He was the very definition of an Indiana basketball legend, a champion, and Hall of Fame athlete. But he was more than that. George was family a passionate advocate for his fellow ABA players and a present smiling face around the franchise. George has been as synonymous with our Pacers franchise as anyone. He'll be greatly missed. And all of us at Pacers sports and entertainment will keep George and his family in our prayers. So if you don't really know much about George, you can just tell by these comments, how much of an impact he had. And, and I want to read one more last one here from Chris Sinera, who, who tweeted this heartbroken about George's passing. No better man you will ever meet. Had the pleasure of him joining me on Butler men's basketball radio in early 1990s, and he was with me for my first play-by-play -play broadcast on TV. For all of his Hall of Fame accomplishments on the floor, he was even better off the floor. George McGinnis, Pacer legend, someone that I don't think fans should ever forget what he did for the game of basketball, for the state of Indiana, and for the Pacers. But that said, we're going to take a quick break, and when we come back, we'll get into our episode. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. This is the story of the one. As head of maintenance at a concert hall, he knows the show must always go on. That's why he works behind the scenes, ensuring every light is working, the HVAC is humming, and his facility shines. With Granger's supplies and solutions for every challenge he faces, plus 24-7 customer support, his venue never misses a beat. 
Call quickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. This is Tyrese Halliburton, and you're listening to Setting the Pace. Pacer Nation, welcome back to your go-to Pacers podcast, Setting the Pace. I'm your host, Alex Golden. I'm joined today by the lovely, the wonderful Michael J. Fonchi, who is making his way to Washington, D.C. to watch his Indiana Pacers versus the Washington Wizards. Happy Friday, everybody. Hope you guys are having an awesome Friday morning. Now that we got past that Bucks drama, the Pacers are moving on, but we're going to do a little... Uh, we're gonna do a little things a little different today. Uh, we're not gonna preview this Wizards game because who needs to preview that? We thought about no. talking about who today, Fachi. We're talking about the the big additions to this Indiana Pacers team, and that's Bruce Brown and Obi Toppin. Of what we've thought of the fit at this point, we're 22 games into the season. We're saying 22, not 23, because we can't count that Lakers game. I know it's still weird, but. 22 games feels like enough of a sample size to really get a good look of how has Bruce and Obi been for this Pacers team. Yeah, for sure. And I mean, uh, for whatever reason, StatMuse decided to keep the Lakers stats in there. So it's definitely bringing uh, Bruce's numbers down quite a bit. That's the lowest amount of minutes he's played in an actual game this year. But uh, I think we should start with Obi Toppin first, Fachi, because Obi Toppin, was somebody that we were probably both kind of like, wow, we got him for nothing, essentially. Um, basically traded Chris Duarte to get him. And then you got better second-round picks from the Kings and gave up worse second-round picks to the Knicks. So you feel like you did all right. But Obi Toppin, uh, starting for the Pacers at the power four position, he was benched, I believe, only one game, and that was against the Hawks. They went with Aaron Neesmith instead. But since then, he has been the starter for the remaining uh, twenty games or 21 games that they played. So your thoughts on Obi Toppin so far this year? This is someone that I was banging banging the table for for a while. The Pacers got to go out. They got to get Obi. Look, I feel like there's there's so much more to his game. He's buried on the bench in New York, and I was so happy that, that they did. Now, mention it, 22 games in, he's been a starter for all but one game. But Alex, at all times, he has felt like the fifth starter. He is the starter that plays the least amount of minutes. And at times we've kind of been like, oh, wow, you know, he, he kind of got yanked or, wow, he played significantly less minutes. But mm. across the board, make no mistake about it, he is averaging career highs in just about every single category. You can make an argument that he is playing nine more minutes per game than he played in the past and has an extended role as a starter. So I figured let's give you his numbers. 24 minutes per game, 12.7 points per game, 61% shooting. Gotta love that. Nearly 36% from three. An absurd 78% on twos. Mm. Essentially, you know, I mean, the man loves to dunk. So, you know, he's not taking any mid-rangers or anything like that. But there are also some things that are a little bit alarming. 
3.1 rebounds, just about 1.3 assists. And then he averages 0.6 blocks and 0.6 steals. Some things you like, some things you, you desire a little bit more. Early thoughts on Obi Toppin. Yeah, I will say it's it's been it's been an interesting experience so far. My my feeling on Obi Toppin, and I kind of said it on one of our previous podcasts, and I'm gonna reiterate it here. I think Obi Toppin fits the Pacers very well. I think he fits what they want to do. I think he's been number one. The most important thing about Obi Toppin to me has been just the way he has fit in with this group of guys. Has been such a positive energy guy on the floor and off the floor. Like when he's not playing, those minutes don't impact how he is as a teammate. I think he's been a great teammate. But I, I feel like this is a guy that is a true backup power forward. If this is your starting power forward, you know, moving forward, there's a lot to be desired there. Three point, what'd you say? One rebounds? Four. 3.1 rebounds. Yeah. I want to put that in perspective though. He's six foot nine. Wingspan around seven foot two, I believe. Yeah. Alex, he's actually he's the second tallest guy on this Pacers team. Him <laughs> and Jalen Smith are are both six nine. I, I I feel like at that size, you need more than three rebounds per game for a guy who's playing twenty four minutes per game and starting for you. It's just not enough. Yeah, I mean he's the most rebounds he's had in a game this year is eight rebounds. He had that against the Chicago Bulls. That was like the third game of the season, I believe it was. He had six points, eight rebounds. That's probably the closest he's been to almost getting a double-double. Um, he had a good game against Philadelphia. He was 27 points there, uh, six rebounds. Had a nice game against uh, Atlanta when that game went to 157 to 152. Uh, he had 21 points there, and I thought he played pretty well in Miami both games. I thought those were some of his better games were just guarding Jimmy Butler. But I think he's more capable of guarding guys like that than he is trying to guard a guy like a Giannis Antetokounmpo or or a Jason Tatum. Like I know Jason Tatum and Jimmy Butler are probably more similar, but I think they score in different ways, right? You know, Jimmy is a guy that's trying to get to the free throw line nonstop. Giannis is trying to run through you, and Jason Tatum's just trying to get you ISO so he can drive by and shoot over you, that kind of thing. So uh, I think overall, though, from what I've seen from Obi Toppin is I've not hated the experience, and it's not like I'm like, oh, my God, like Obi Toppin's on the floor. But I think I've also come to the realization of, okay, I like Obi Toppin, but he's probably in probably anywhere from like seventh to ninth man on a very good basketball team. And that's kind of where he was at with New York. So I, I don't necessarily think that the, the Knicks were wrong with where they had him at minute wise, but I also don't think that the style of play New York wanted to play suited him. So maybe the style here suits him more and he's happier with that role being a little bit less moving forward. But right now, I just don't think you can rely on him to kind of be that guy. Yeah, I think you made many great points. I think he is happy. I think he's meshed very well with his teammates. And I think overall, the style that the Pacers play definitely does suit him better than the Knicks style that, that, that they run where, you know, it, it just wasn't for him. But it's been, it's been underwhelming at times. Look, nine times out of the 22 games, he scored below 10 points. Only seven times he scored 15 or more. I felt like in an expanded role, this is someone that offensively we knew is very gifted and could take off. The highlight plays have definitely been there. But I just feel like, you know, when we talked about the rebounding, only four times this year has he had five or more rebounds in 22 games. 
Yeah. That that is just not enough. But I think a lot of it, yeah, sure, at times he's going out there and he's running on the fast break. So maybe he's not really crashing the glass. But like on a recent game, just against the Bucks, he had five rebounds in the first nine minutes that he played. He ended up finishing the game with six. Mm-hmm. Uh so it, it's just like where is that rebounding effort? And overall, I think if you were to pull 10 Pacer fans or 10 people who really follow the Pacers and say, is he worthy of being the starting four next year? I don't think that really anyone more than one person would say yes. I think all 10 might say, probably not. I see him as contributing on this team, more of a backup role. And when you look at the contract that Aaron Neesmith got, about three years, uh, uh, $33 million, I believe, right in that $11 million range, to me, that feels fair of what you could give a guy like Obi Toppin. But I think that the Pacers were right to wait and not sign him early because they didn't really know what he was going to deliver. Now, through 22 games, you have a better sample size. And it's, yeah, you really can't be paying this man $15 million plus. I think he is right around that 10 to $12 million range for a good player but maybe not a great player. Still a lot of the year left to, to make some noise, but at, at times he's been very quiet and disappeared. And you mentioned some of those bigger games that he's had. Hey, it's great when he has those, but the consistency just hasn't been there. Yeah, I mean, those are all great points. And I think that you talk about the contract, and I know we've had a conversation about this before, but I just don't ever think the Pacers were going to entertain a, com- a contract extension with him without seeing what he looked like on the court. So, you know, the Pacers were smart to kind of just say, well, we'll take our bet in free agency. And if you want to go sign out, you know, outright somewhere else and in restricted free agency, we'll probably let you do it because they're not going to overpay for him. That's the bottom line. They've got Jairus Walker on the roster. And if they want to address the power four position, there is other options that are more viable than an Obi top and especially an overpaid Obi top. And that probably, um, isn't worth what he'd be getting if he were to leave for some reason for a bigger contract. So that that's kind of where I stand. I, I I don't even think I'd pay him 15. I think that I'd probably give him around a similar contract to an Aaron Neesmith. That's exactly what I said. $11 million per yeah. year is exactly in that range. That feels fair. It feels like, yeah. Hey, you want to contribute? You want to stay on this team, play good minutes, 20 to 25 minutes per game in that range be happy with players that you like to play with. That's what we can offer. You can't overpay for a guy like Obi Toppin when you're looking to raise the ceiling of this team because defensively, he might show effort. He played Jimmy Butler well, like you mentioned, that one game he definitely did. But at times, he's looked lost defensively, and the Pacers can't overspend. Yeah, there was a play against the Bucs, I remember, and I believe it was Chris Middleton who got the offensive rebound. It was in the third quarter. And I think it's when Milwaukee ended up having that big third quarter run after the Pacers had closed, had closed the lead down to one. Obi Toppin just kind of loses sight of Chris Middleton for a second and, and pretty much doesn't even try to get the defensive box out. And you're talking about his rebounding numbers. He just kind of turns and looks at the basket, and Chris Middleton goes right by him, gets the ball, and puts it back in. And I think he, even Obi might have fouled him or something. But it's just like that's little things that matter to me because you're talking about Okay, he's only getting 3.1 rebounds. Well, it's a problem that Bruce Brown, a shooting guard who's six foot four, is averaging more rebounds per game than a six foot nine power forward. And I understand you can probably say Bruce is playing twice the amount of minutes, so maybe that does play a little bit into it. But 
for Obi Toppin being that big man down low next to Miles Turner. Miles Turner's rebounding numbers are probably a little bit better, I would assume, based on what we've seen. You know, he's had close to eight or nine the last couple of games, but it's one of those things where where Obi can be a better rebounder, and he's just clearly showing why he's not because he's not doing the small things that matter, like boxing out or being in the right position. And I also think Rick Carlisle wouldn't be restricting how much he plays because it does feel like in some of these close games, Obi Toppin's the guy on the, on the bench, watch him on Neesmith Smith kind of closes the game out with whoever he, you know, Rick wants to throw out there with Tyrese and, and, and miles and Bruce. So it's usually a combination of Neesmith Smith and then probably buddy or every once in a while, you might get a Nimhart or a Matherin, but those three guys are the always, always ones rotating. And yeah, I just, I, I think that at this point, when you look at Obi Toppin, the only answer we can really fairly give is he cannot be a starter on this team moving forward. I mean, after this season, you cannot bring him back as your starting power forward and expect to take a big leap in that front court. And that that is the right way to put it, is if you bring him back as your starting forward, do you expect to be a better team? And at that point, I, I don't think so. I think that he belongs on this team. He has a role, absolutely, but you're looking to dream bigger. Either you want Jarris Walker to be able to take a big leap and be able to seize that starting four role, or, or you're, you're dreaming of an OG or a Siakam. You just feel guys that can really move the needle. And look, we knew he was never a good defender. But in his first three years, his defensive win share was it was one. That's what it was. This year, I know the Pacers are, are a very poor defensive team. His defensive win share is point one. So there's really no positive defensive impact that Obi is bringing to the game. And it hurts me to say it because I felt like I was like one of his number one fans, you know, mm-hmm. coming in before the year. I just, I want to see more. I think everybody anticipated more. There was people saying, could Obi win most improved player of the year? I felt like he at least could throw his name in the hat, be a top five candidate. I also felt coming into the year, I, I knew he was not a good rebounder, but I felt like, hey, with more minutes and everything, I think he could probably average around five. I thought a high scenario was, could he get to six per game? We just mentioned he's had five rebounds four times out of 22 games. So I think he's got to want to be a better rebound and a rebounder. And with no Jalen Smith there over the last few games, this was an opportunity for him to pull down some more boards, and he hasn't. Yeah, that's kind of been Obi Toppin's MO too. And I think he's a high flyer. He's kind of like a hybrid car, right? He's he's a Ferrari when maybe sometimes you need him to be just that I don't even know what a good comparison is, but just that good sturdy car. <laughs> that's gonna get you where you need to get to from point A to point B. Reliable. Maybe a maybe a, Honda, a Toyota Camry. A Toyota, right? you know. Toyota Camry. Exactly. Honda Civic. You know, sometimes you just need him not to be the flashy Ferrari that's flying through the air, catching behind the back alley oop passes. You know, it's fun. And those, but it all counts for two points, you know, whether you're dunking over somebody or you're giving up a two because you're not boxing out, they all count the same way. So that's, that's the only way I can really kind of explain the Obi Toppin experience. I think that he's shown flashes. I think he's grown since he's been here. Don't get me wrong. I think that this opportunity with the Pacers to play this style, you have seen a better version of him than what you saw in New York, Uh, especially a more consistent version of him. But, you know, at, at the end of the day, I think he's, one of those guys where you're kind of just waiting from you're waiting for more from him and you're just never going to get it. That's kind of how I feel with Obi. 
That's a good way to put it because this is a guy that in college, hey, national player of the year. I mean, eighth overall pick. You waited, you waited, he never really saw it. To, to your point before, like, look, he has taken steps forward, and maybe we are being a little bit too hard on him because he is averaging career highs in a lot of categories. And I mentioned just how efficient he's been 61% from the field overall, 78% from two. I mean, that's it's he's not taking stupid shots. Like, yeah. I feel like he every now and then he has like a three pointer that you're like, well, what are you doing? Like, you know, yeah. eh, you, you didn't need to shoot that, but it's not like. Like, oh, my God, Obi jacked up 15 shots tonight and really shot the Pacers out of this game. No, that doesn't happen. But you know, talent-wise, he is very, very capable and on nights has looked awesome and on other nights has looked like a ghost. So you want to see a little bit more. I think we're both on the verdict. Should not be a starting power forward on this Pacers team, but by no means is it like, man, I wish we had those Two second-round picks back that were not even the better second-round picks. We definitely came out on top, but we, we want to see him take some steps as the year goes on because the knock on Obi coming in from, from New York, not a good defender, doesn't really rebound, three-point shots a little sketch, hasn't really improved in those categories. Mm-hmm. I, I totally agree, Fachi. So let's go ahead and move on now to Bruce Brown. Um, I think we've covered enough of Obi Toppin at this point just to kind of give a laying it all out there for everybody. In case you guys feel differently, please let us know. But Bruce Brown, it's been a weird year for him, I would say. I think that highest paid player on the team, named the starting shooting guard, hasn't shot the ball particularly well. Defense, uh, defense is okay, but I'm not in love with his defensive efforts so far, but it probably has a lot to do with just the Pacers defense in general as a team around him. Maybe if he had better defenders around him, he would look better. But, you know, I would say this. I'm not I'm not like saying Bruce Brown's been bad at all this year, but I think it's been very average, very mediocre. And maybe my expectations were a little higher than they probably should have been, but I didn't even have that high of expectations. I just find myself constantly underwhelmed with him. And some of the shots that he takes, I'm just like, what are we doing? Underwhelmed is the word. You, me, and every other Pacer fan had every right to expect more out of Bruce Brown. This was the Pacers making a splash. Yes, he's not an all-star. He's never going to be an all-star. But the Pacers cut the check. They ponied up. They outbidded everybody. And yeah, part of it could have been, hey, we got to get to 90% of the salary floor. Got to do that. But they had the opportunity to outbid everyone. And they really spent. But I think that Bruce Brown, you saw that he a big part of it was his contributions on a championship team. And now you start to see, hey, look, yes, he was a very good defender, but he's not the type of defender that can really make a massive impact on a team and turn them around. He's not like a Kawhi Leonard type of defender or anything like that where you're going to make a, a jump from, say, you know, 25th overall defense to top 15 or anything. But the money does put a little bit of put puts them under a microscope a bit. Two yeah. years, $45 million, $22.5 million per year. Here's let's go through some of the numbers. He's averaging a career high 32 minutes per game. He started yeah. every game for the Pacers. A career high 12 and a half points per game on a career high 9.7 shots per game. So he's playing more, he's shooting more, but he's only averaging one point more. Than last year, but he's yeah. obviously handsomely paid. 
He's shooting sub 47% for the first time in four years. Sub 34% from three. That's not what you hoped. On a career high, yeah. 3.7 attempts per game. And Alex, I want to go through the defensive rating. Last year, it was 113.9 defensive rating. This year, 120.4. You can't blame it on him by any means because the Pacers are a bad defensive unit. But you haven't been able to really feel his impact defensively. Maybe just because the Pacers are so poor defensively, maybe it works uh, to his disadvantage. No, those are all good points. And I think that, uh, you know, I was putting some stats out tonight from his play over the last, you know, five games, and I have them up right now. Um, Shooting-wise, Fachi, the last five games, now this does include the Lakers game. That does not technically count on the Pacers stats, stat sheet. But I'm going to go ahead and read this because I think it provides some context. 16 to 49 for the field. 32.7%. Okay. Then you go over to the three-pointer. He's made one out of 13 attempts in the last five games. That's terrible. That's 7.7%. He's not even at 10% from three the last five games. So can you break out of that? And then he's only 73% from the free throw line. So, you know, here here to me, you're, you're, you're looking at the opponents of these games and you're expecting him to step up big. You played the Lakers, obviously. Pretty good team. They won the NCAA Tournament Championship. They've got LeBron. They've got AD. You know, they're tough. You got Milwaukee twice. You played Boston once. You also played Detroit. In that stretch, you had some really bad shooting. And I think the best game shooting-wise that he had was against the Bucs, um, actually, tonight. Uh, it was 4-10 field goal shooting-wise. 40%. That's the highest he shot the last five games. Been um, 36% or below in the other four. So it's just one of those things where I feel like Bruce Brown, he's in a slump. I don't know when he's going to break out of it, but maybe because he is playing a bigger role, it is kind of skewing his numbers a little bit. Maybe. And I had mentioned it last episode. Three out of the four of those baskets he scored against the Bucs was when the Pacers were down like 20 points in the fourth quarter. True. He was having a rough game uh, offensively. Um, but, yeah, I mean, he is being asked to do more, but I don't think that he has taken his game to the next level. I don't think that there's something that you could really say, hey, Bruce Brown has, has drastically improved since being handsomely paid. I think that at times, I guess maybe the rebounding efforts, uh, he had nine boards against Detroit, eight against Milwaukee, but like, I don't know. I, at times, I guess I guess as a rebounder, maybe he's improved a bit. As a secondary playmaker, at times they've needed him. At other times, they, they really haven't. But I think that in this year, he is playing far more uh, at, at shooting guard than last year he played at small forward. So here's the breakdown. Last year, he spent 32% of his, his time at shooting guard. Uh, and 64% of his time at small forward. This year, he's played 90% of his time at the two and 10% of his time at three. So I thought that was interesting. Yeah. Uh, but also one thing defensively, his blocks last year, he averaged 0.6 blocks per game. This year, 0.2. He's had five blocks in, in 22 games. If you want to call it 23, whatever. It's not like we need him to be the shot blocker. That's a big difference. It's a big difference to go from 0.6 to 0.2. Uh, that means you're, you're, you're blocking shots at a third of the rate as before. And then I got some other stats. Mm-hmm. Win shares. So last year, as an offensive win share, he had 1.7. This year, it's 
All right, last year, defensive win shares, 2.6. Alex, this year, 0.2. Yeah. He's not making a, a, a big impact defensively on this Pacers team. And I know when you're a bad defensive unit, all these numbers are going to be watered down. Overall, last year, just his, his win shares in general, 4.3. This year, 0.9. We are not getting the Bruce Brown that we hoped to get that could take this defensive unit and, and improve them. If anything, you can make an argument the Pacers defensive unit is worse. That is not due to Bruce Brown, but the impact has not been there that we hoped for. Well, I think part of it has to come down to the fact that he's playing a ton more minutes too with the Pacers. I mean, there's been games, and I feel like it's almost every game I see, he's logging close to 34, 37 minutes a night, especially in these games that are kind of you know, up against the upper echelon teams of the NBA. So, you know, relying on him defensively to kind of be that guy. And it's just like, he's fine as a defender. I think he's a good defender, but he's not like you talked about. He's not an all-class defender. He's fine. He is just no. a very, he is a fine player across the board. He was a sixth man yes. on a championship team in Denver. That is his, to me, best role is that sixth man, maybe a fifth starter. I don't really think you have to start him, but he can start. Um, this is where I get kind of like caught up in the conversation of what do I value the most? And I do value what he can bring in terms of playmaking, solid rebounder, smart defender. But whenever I watch basketball games and when I see how, you know, Andrew Nimhard defends, you know, out on the perimeter compared to a Bruce Brown, most of the time I find myself being more intrigued by Andrew Nimhard's defense now, offensively, you're definitely going to get a little bit more of a punch from a Bruce Brown, but I will say this. If you were to make a big trade this year, Fachi, do you kind of feel like you have Bruce Brown's replacement and Andrew Nimhard on the bench that could just kind of come in and fill that role, and then you allow McConnell to kind of feast as that backup point guard without having to worry about Nimhard kind of taking his minutes, or... Do you still think Buddy Hill is all you know the better route here, salary wise, to throw in a big trade, knowing you have Ben Shepard, who who showed some flashes against Milwaukee at the end of that game that he can be a shooter. So, just kind of curious your thoughts if you were to make a trade and throw one of those bigger names in there, which one do you think is easier to replace? I think I think Buddy is probably easier to replace because you already have have uh, Ben Shepard under contract and at a real cheap rate. I think defensively, obviously, Bruce Brown is a better defender than Buddy Heald. But I think when you're looking at the trade market, teams should covet you know Bruce Brown a little bit more because there is that team option. And yeah. I think that that's great to have flexibility, but also a good player that could be serving a better role as a six-man. But when you said your question of, do you feel like you have a guy, Andrew Nemar, that could be the replacement? I almost couldn't answer you quicker. Because I really do. And, and it, it pains me a little bit that Nemhard has had the injuries and, and hasn't had the same role as last year because he was one of the brightest spots last year. And I really want to see him get back to what we saw last year. And I really feel that he's capable of getting back and being that player. So this is where you look at that that uh, Bruce Brown contract. And I know you talked about before, hey, it might not be great to trade a guy that just chose – to sign with the in-free agency, I, I definitely understand that. If you told me, do you see Bruce Brown with the Pacers after that second year, I would say I do not. I think that this was a good, good experiment. It's not over yet. 
plenty of time left in the season. They're still even next year. But I do feel that the Pacers could pivot to Andrew Nemhard for almost $20 million less per year yeah. as it stands right now. Yeah, I mean, I think Nemhard has just kind of been, unfortunately, he's kind of had like a Chris Duarte year or two with all the injuries. That's a good point right there. Yes. You know, and it's it's kind of been unfortunate ones. Like he had kidney stones. Like you can't really control that. No. He gets hit in practice, ends up having a back injury for a little bit. Then he hyperextends his leg while going for a lip. And, you know, it's nice to have these guys that can come in here and, and provide these minutes because let's just say Brown's not having it tonight. You can throw in a Nimhart and feel like you're not losing much. Now you can play them together too. There's a lot of different possibilities. So I'm not saying you have to get rid of one to keep the other. But in this scenario, I definitely would agree. I think that while Ben Shepard is probably someone that could replace Buddy Hield in that lineup a little bit easier, I think that it makes more sense to kind of it makes more sense to me to potentially punt on Bruce Brown because of what I believe in uh, Andrew Nimhard. And I just, I Ben Shepard, I haven't seen a large enough sample size of it where I was able to see a larger sample size of Andrew Nimhard. But I also, I also do value what Buddy brings a lot to the table, specifically offensively with his ball movement and things like that. But overall, uh, I think it's a really tough question and the Pacers are going to have to make uh, a decision on that. But I, I think that Bruce could be coveted by other teams as well just because of his role and what he does here. Um, and you kind of touched on that because there were so many teams that wanted him that couldn't afford him, but you know the Pacers could afford him, and now they can probably trade him for something. And if you're a team that's wanting to add something to your roster, that does make sense. But you know, I, I just feel like Bruce Brown as a player overall, he has shown flashes of all the different ways he can be impactful in a game multiple times throughout the year. I mean, I just go back to that great steal he had on Bogdanovich on Monday night against the Pistons, like in the second quarter. It was such a beautiful steal. He he can do little things like that, but I just want him to put it together a little bit more consistently on both sides of the ball before I'm willing to invest long-term in him because even if Tyrese Halliburton loves him, I think that they could find better uh, players at that position. They could. I mean... 30 points against Miami in, in one of those matchups, the one that we won where Tyrese didn't play. He, he's got to get a lot of credit for that because he stepped up in that game. But then also, what about the first game of the season against Washington? He pours in 24 points. He did six of eight from three. There has been plenty of bright spots. And you can make an argument that Bruce Brown has it going. The Pacers are definitely a better team. To no surprise, the Pacers also lost to the Lakers when he didn't show up. And he had two of nine shooting. And D'Angelo Russell's talking smack to him, hitting shots on him, saying, you don't have Jokic now. You know, where's he at? It was that little instance right there kind of felt like a lot of, like, this is a guy who definitely played really, really good basketball when he had Jokic with him. And, yeah. and, and, and that Nuggets team overall, that brought out the best in Bruce Brown because he could be a piece instead of having to be someone that you could really rely on night in, night out. That's what the Pacers do. They, they need to rely on Bruce Brown to be one of their better players. And uh, I think that he hasn't by any means failed, not saying that, but I don't think he's taken his game to the next level when being paid like a player that, that you're expecting a lot more out of. Yeah, no, and I and I totally agree with that, Fachi. So I think we've kind of covered everything we need to cover here on Bruce Brown and Obi Toppin. 
two guys that have really impacted the Pacers, I think, overall season this year. Like the reason that they've had good games against better teams is because these two guys have stepped up in big moments from time to time, and the Pacers are better with them on the roster. But uh, I think at this point, looking at where they're at, maybe for maybe for me only, but I feel like I've been a little bit underwhelmed by both of them just in general for what I was kind of expecting, not maybe like a massive leap by either of them, but I feel like they've been wildly inconsistent specifically offensively for, for Bruce and maybe a little bit more uh, defensively for Obi Toppin, but I'm just kind of torn on how I totally feel about them because I feel like the, the, the verdict's still out there, Fachi. Like we don't really know, uh, who they are exactly with this team yet, but I think we have a pretty good sample size at this point to kind of feel confident in saying, okay, they're 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 a twelve point per game kind of guy on the team. Yeah, and I think that that we're just past the the, the quarter mark of the season. I mean, the, the season is going by pretty quick. Both guys, you're not impressed with. You're you're saying, okay, these are these are two players that have very much contributed. They're they're starters for the Pacers. But I felt that Bruce Brown was capable of giving us about 15 a night and being better defensively. He didn't need the 15, but I thought he would he would improve his score by more than one point per game and also at least maybe be as efficient as he was last year, which he has not been. Obi Toppin flashes, flashes of being a really good player, but just can't put it all together on a night-to-night basis. There's still three-fourths of the season left. These guys can very much turn their whole season around. Like I said, has not been a failure. I know our tone at times might have been a little bit harsh, but I would be absolutely lying through my teeth if I said both guys have been home run pickups for the Pacers, despite the Pacers having a pretty good record of 13-9 and at this moment, which I am happy with. And maybe that means that the best is yet to come because the Pacers are winning these games with both players being a little underwhelming, what's going to happen when both these players really step it up? So that excites me a bit. I, I'm right there with you, my man. So uh, we're going to go ahead and wrap this one up. So I hope you guys all have an awesome weekend. we got back-to-back games here Friday, Saturday night, the Wizards and the Timberwolves, and the Pacers will wrap up that road trip, and we will be back on Sunday to recap those games. But Fachi, go ahead and tell the people right now where they can find us at on social media. Absolutely. So you can find us on Twitter at PacersPod, STP. You can find Alex on Twitter at AlexGoldenNBA. I can be found on Twitter at underscore F-A-C-C-I. You can find us on Instagram at PacersPod, STP. You can find us on Facebook, Set the Pace. You can find us on TikTok, Set the Pace. And Alex, tell them where they can check us out on YouTube. Uh, ladies and gentlemen, go to youtube.com slash setting the pace of Pacers podcast where you can find all of our video content. And wanted to let you guys know that this week we were unable to do our fan of the week. So we are still going to use this episode to kind of promote our setting the pace sandwich and ripple bagel and deli. Make sure you guys check them out. And if you haven't already, please visit the store, tell them that you heard about it on the podcast and you'll get a free side. You'll get a free drink or a free dessert. You have an option of one of those three for free. If you just tell them, Hey, I heard about you guys on setting the pace. It was an awesome podcast and you guys are an awesome restaurant. So uh, do a little double duty there. And if you haven't already, please leave us a five-star rating interview over on Apple and Spotify. It always does us uh, a lot of help there when we can get that extra star, uh, extra rating interview. So Fachi, 
It's 1230. We're coming into Thursday morning. We doubled up on this one after the Bucks game. A long, a bad day to double up, right, on a podcast recording. But uh, I just want to let everybody know <laughs> it is late. And if I have been slurring my words or not hearing Fachi all the way, it's because I am trying not to fall asleep at the microphone. So, Fachi, if you're excited for the Pacers to, to, to win this game against the Wizards tonight and break the curse once again, then hit me with those three words. Let's go Pacers. Going to the top, setting the pace, going to the top. This is your number one podcast, sweeping every team. We gon' need a mop, smooth. Ripple Bagel and Deli is the home of Indy's original steam bagel sandwich. It's located in the heart of Broad Ripple, and they're family-owned and operated, proudly serving their customers for over 20 years. They pride themselves on quick, casual dining with over 100 different steam bagel sandwich options. It truly is a staple in Indianapolis and a can't-miss breakfast and lunch spot. Ripple Bagel and Deli offers a great friends and family atmosphere where you're always welcome to dine in and be a part of the family or feel free to bypass any way by conveniently ordering and paying for carryout ahead of time at RippleBagelDeli.com. Ripple Bagel and Deli also offers best-in-class catering anytime, anywhere, with a long list of customers ranging anywhere from law firms to drug reps to several different sports-related clients, including Butler, IUPUI, the Indianapolis Colts, and several visiting NFL teams. They pride themselves on their ability to satisfy all of your catering needs, no matter the occasion or event, and will customize your order, provide competitive pricing, and always deliver on time. Ripple Bagel Deli, the home of Indy's original steam bagel sandwich.